The year is 2021. The snow is falling down. The halls are being decked with boughs of holly. The chestnuts are being roasted on an open fire. The stockings are being hung by the chimney with care. And reindeers are being denied from playing reindeer games. The hit movies of the season include Home Alone, The Muppet Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life, The Santa Claus, and today's film, Tokyo Godfathers. The hot songs of the season include White Christmas, Last Christmas, Jingle Bell Rock, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and today's selection, a curated Christmas playlist. So, Dad, what did we listen to? Thank you, Simon, and welcome to the Christmas 2021 Reels and Revolutions podcast. So what we did for this episode was break off from our normal formula and Instead of picking an album, because it was kind of hard to pick a Christmas album, uh, actually Simon did a wonderful job in curating mm-hmm. a Christmas playlist over the last uh, 10 decades. So essentially what Simon did was picked a song from the 1930s and each successive decade all the way up through 2021. Uh, so it was a total of how many songs did it end up being? 10 songs. Uh, and we do also have a special holiday guest for this pod, uh, the family's resident holiday cheerful elf, <laughs> daughter slash sister, Olivia. Olivia, welcome to the pod. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Merry Christmas. In jail. <laughs> Wrong movie. Wrong movie. So, so again, we, we've got this curated playlist, and what's great is it was a mix of songs that I think some of us have obvious, all of us had obviously heard, but as well as songs that I don't think any of us had really a, mm-hmm. have ever heard. For the record, it was my idea to do. It wasn't. To it do wasn't. the decades. So I would pick I it. actually thought of no, the No, no, no. It was mine. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. You're welcome. All right. You're off the pod. <laughs> so let's, next year. Shall we just? So we just? Should we just jump in? Yeah. Uh, so again, uh, this is a, a, a curated playlist of Christmas songs from each decade, uh, and we started in the 1930s with the song "Swingin' Them Jingle Bells" by Fats Waller. And I don't know if who, who wants to jump in. For, we'll throw it to Olivia as what the guest. What a name, Fats Waller. I didn't have that many uh, notes for this because. Honestly, it was very different than a lot of the Jingle Bells I feel like people listen to now. It's obviously a time-related thing. It's very jazzy, mostly instrumental, so well, you can I'm... definitely tell the time jump. And people have done Jingle Bells forever. One of the great jazz piano players. Uh, and, you know, I think this was a great representation of kind of that swing sound. The piano to me was just awesome. And the horns. I mean, this is a real jazz, jazz piece. Yeah. It's just a dancey, dancey Jingle Bells jazz club out in New Orleans type of feel. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. what it sounds like. I, I'd seen Fats Waller because I think he's in some movies. He is. And I'd seen like scenes of him playing songs. And I feel like especially in this too, he has seems to have so much fun when he plays. And he says, like, what's wrong with that guy? And in he's this got one, the jingle bells on him. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. goodness. Yeah, like, he's doing voices. 
And yeah. it's like, it's, it's fun. He seems to have a lot of fun. The vocals, I'd say, I think the the vocals are fun. I, I didn't love this vocals. To, uh, I'm I'm wondering if his vocal style influenced Louis Armstrong a little bit. You know, he had that kind of gravelly voice. Uh, it was the music that really that yeah, did it for yeah. me. This I really really loved the the music. I mean, and they're just this jazz band was just. I mean, they were just rocking. If to to use a slight maybe slightly incorrect word, um, or swinging, they were swinging as the yeah. They it's just was swinging. I mean, this is made me want to listen to more Fats Waller. Um, not necessarily holiday or Christmas songs, but I mean, I think it kicked off it. It kicked off the playlist with a bang. I thought it was one of my least favorite songs on the playlist, but only because I like other songs more. I feel like if it was all jazz and stuff like yeah, that, it's hard I think to compare. I would put it at the top. It's, hard to it's, it's very different than the other stuff. It's very, it's old, and it, it's hard to compare really. And yeah, just and modern. and as as obviously as we get through the playlist, anyone who's listening will notice there's a huge range of styles, yeah. which I think is what's great about the playlist. I mean, you you really get a little bit of everything. And I could see where this might not be, uh, you know, your favorite piece or anybody's favorite piece, but I do think it kicks off the playlist well, and it really is evocative of that decade. It represents the decade yeah. well. And I tried to do that. I tried to get songs represent decade well and then also just have songs that I sometimes and, I got to put a song I like. And I will give I'm going to give kudos up front uh, that I do think Simon you picked each song really does represent the decade really 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 well. I mean as soon as you hear it and, and as we'll, we'll jump in should we just move on to the next song? Yeah. Um we're obviously moving into the 1940s. I'll be home for Christmas Bing Crosby the singer again I think immediately Evocative of World War Two, yeah. Crosby and the Crooner yeah. style. I love this song. It's one of my. I favorite mean, Crosby. Songs. Crosby has so many classics. Yeah. I mean, there. It was kind of hard to choose this decade because. I mean, I feel like people think of White it, Christmas. White yeah. Christmas is probably the more popular one, even though this one is still really, really well known. But yeah, Bing is kind. He's kind of the king. Of Christmas. The king of Christmas. Songs. Yeah, I think, I think I you're right. I feel like you could argue Michael Bublé too, but Bing Crosby was <laughs> yeah, Michael also. Buble. I think. I mean, but he out. Oh, he definitely is the classic. And um, I do think I could see where it was really hard for you to pick something from the '40s because I think a lot of the quote unquote classic Christmas songs come from that decade, and for some reason, to me, they all are evocative of that World War II time frame. And you can. Oh, sorry, Dad. No, go ahead. I mean, it's definitely from the perspective of, like, a soldier writing home. Right. Yeah. And at the last line, he's saying, like, if only my dreams will be there. Like, yeah. they're, like, across seas, writing home. They want to go home for Christmas, be with yeah, their family. that's something I didn't... And it's a, it's a melancholy feel. And right, it's nice. and it's... It's that beauty. If only production has those strings that swell it has this really sentimental yeah. feel to it i mean you just get that kind of tugging at your heartstrings kind of thing i never listened to the lyrics really because i was like oh it's kind of sad and i just you know if only in my dreams is sad i mean it's like and i didn't really make the connection to world war ii but like everything in the 40s right world war ii 
put the stamp <laughs> on it. Yeah. I mean, his movie White Christmas is the the soldiers. I believe. Who are sad. And like they meet all the other people and they want to make him happy, like the general guy. I have never. I seen honestly it. don't. Uh. I don't know if I've seen White Christmas. I've seen, I've seen Holiday Inn, which is the movie that that song was first written for. Yeah. But then they made White Christmas, well, which I've never they, seen. They have this song in there, but it's it's another World War Two, like reminiscent of like these soldiers are on leave. There's a general who's sad. They're trying to make him happy for Christmas. I mean, and and I do think a lot of the the kind of other big band stuff from from the forties. Uh, there's a lot of versions of Christmas songs that go back to this era. Yeah. And you know, you love or hate Bing. I mean, he's got that classic feel. Yeah, that crooner, yeah. smooth, you know, voice kind of thing. I think his best assets are on display here in this song. Um, I just think he's a beautiful singer. Everyone loves him, obviously, but. Uh, I ranked it very high on my personal list. It's like I think it's second. Yeah, I didn't rank. Uh, it. I ranked the song. Yeah, I, I didn't rank. I, like. I didn't rank my. I did put okay. This I think is my favorite, but I didn't really do much more than that. And what, what we can do, Olivia, is that once we get through all of them, we can hear your ranking. Sure. Yeah. I I just love this yeah, song, yeah. regardless of the list. I love this song because I just think just, it's I really think I know on a kind of a personal note. I think. Your granddad really liked Bing Crosby. I know he really liked. Lolo the, liked Bing Crosby. No, granddad. Okay. Uh, and I know he. There were a couple of movies of, of Bing's that he really liked. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. In, in a lot of ways, he is the king. I did, as we get to a later song, note. I did kind of call Michael Bublé the king of Christmas. Okay. But I think. Uh, Bing is really is the king of Christmas. He's he's the original. Yeah, the original king. He maybe handed it off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, 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 he passed the torch. He passed the torch on to Michael Bublé. So I don't know if there's a whole much more to say. It is a just It's a beautiful a song. Perfect classic Christmas song. Then we jump into the 1950s and here is a sharp change in tone. <laughs> yeah. Run Rudolph Run by Chuck Berry and it's Obviously, we're now in the rock and roll era. <laughs> yeah, rock. Out of all the rangers, you know you're the mastermind. Run, run, run. Can I just say that it's super similar to Johnny B. Good? Like, it, it sounds is. very similar. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it came out before that, which I looked up. Oh, came this out came out before. before. It came before. out like a few months or something before it came out. I mean, Chuck Berry. Has a style. Yeah. You can tell immediately it's him. And this isn't one of my favorite songs, but I thought it would be a really good representation of the 50s. <laughs> I agree. And and it's different. And it is good. I think it's good. It has that really classic rock and roll sound. I mean, it, it again, it for, as we're going through the time period, you hear Bing. This is what the parents were listening to. In the '40s, of now the boomers, you know, born, <laughs> yeah. uh, listening to now Chuck Berry, and this is to me again, it's the epitome of early rock and roll. And like a lot of early rock and roll songs, they talk about wanting a guitar and rocking, yeah. and they use the word rock a lot. And I mean, it, it is just Chuck Berry. Um, it's not my favorite on the list either. Uh, I mean, you, you got to love Chuck Berry's guitar sound, and he's obviously one of the founders of rock and roll. Um, 
and again, I think it represents the 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 decade really, really well. It's just it's it's it would be in my lower half of the songs uh, on on this list, but I but I do think it it represents the decade really well. Yeah, I there's a line I like the line I'm feeling like a merry-go-round. I I think I just thought it was like it's a fun lyric. It's like with those lyrics, it's it kind of they're simple, just fun yeah. lyrics. And there's some I know there's a different song, and some other songs I talk about the lyrics being. Yeah, I didn't really get into the lyrics that much on 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 this one, um, bec- just because they are those simple rock lyrics, uh, and again, you know immediately it's Chuck Berry before he even starts singing. And you're right, Olivia, it, uh, you could say that a lot of Chuck Berry songs sound the same, but that was his trademark. Yeah, and even this song, like that's the real problem. I like the song, but then it is a little samey in itself. Like it's just kind of the same thing throughout the whole song but it's good it's a classic i i mean it's you got to listen to it in this season yeah i mean it's and it's good to mix things up uh i think that was another great thing about taking this approach to the the play a playlist approach versus you know just listening to a nat king cole album or whatever because we got a lot of different styles uh so then obviously we move into the 60s uh, and the song is Sleigh Ride by the Ronettes, uh, off of the album, what is it, A Christmas Present for You, you from, from Phil, Phil Spector. And to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just put it out there. This is one of the greatest Christmas songs ever recorded. This is my favorite song on this list. I love this song. And it's just like, it's great from beginning to finish. It's a dancey mm-hmm. song. It kicks you in. The background dancers are excellent. It's whole. It sounds great. I have nothing to complain about here. Yeah, I put that this might be my favorite Christmas song of all time. <laughs> no, it, yeah, it's good. I think it's definitely top three for me. I think. Yeah, I put top uh, five for sure, but it may, it could, I could be easily convinced that this I, is the I'm best. I'm pretty sure I don't think it's the best. I think I have what? other ones that I like more. Um, but it's very different again. Yeah. Um, which people will talk about the 60s a lot for music. But yeah, it's very different. And it's Phil Spector, which I know, Dad, you know a lot more about Phil Spector than me. Yeah, I mean, this is the epitome of the Phil Spector wall of sound, as they described it. What's Phil Spector? He was the he was a producer in the '60s, but he produced acts all the way up, you know, to as to the Beatles, which has been in the news a lot lately because he did the original production and or or mixing of. Um, I think you can hear the similarities. I mean, it seems oh, like cool. he likes strings a lot. Cause right, he likes strings. I know that was the big thing in Let It Be. He, he does these overdubs of, of instruments, so it sounds really like there's a huge band. The the backing vocals, Olivia, you mentioned that, the, the harmonies of the backing vocals, that real um, high treble cymbal sound, which I think is evocative, again, of the 60s in general because it reminds me a lot of some of those Motown songs, the Supreme songs that yeah. have that same kind of rhythm, and it's just so easy. It just grabs you. There's just that the rhythm just grabs you, and away you go. Uh, it, and it's it, it just you can't not smile when the song comes on, and you can't not sing along. 
Yeah, and the, and I think the lyrics all too, because it's the lyrics are easy to sing along. The background yeah. singing yeah. is easy to sing along, and it's it's just very catchy. It has that like Motown, maybe is like the most catchy, the most number ones, whatever. They just like know how to do pop music. It just appeals to everybody. Anything else to add, Livy? It as I said, it's my favorite song on the list. I love it. I knew this song before it was on. Right. The yeah. Lyric, we, like we everyone know knows this, this song. Everybody for a good yeah. reason. It's it's just a good song. I've You're right. Else to add yeah, that. that's that's a good point. There's a there's a reason everyone knows the song. Yeah. There's a reason the song is played so much because it is so so good and it is so um, representative of kind of that upbeat, joyful feeling that a lot of people you know get around Christmas time. But I think the next one. I did not know. I'd never heard of it. And I think maybe people should know about it. So the next one, obviously, we, we moved from the 60s into the 70s. It's Merry Christmas, Darling by the Carpenters. Uh, and I wasn't familiar with the song either, even though growing up, my family listened to the Carpenters a lot. I mean, they were huge. But I don't remember this song. I hadn't heard this. And it's just, when I listen to it, the first thing I think of, it's a Christmas ballad, song about love, but then you really listen to it, and it's very beautifully sung. Yeah. And yes. it's like, just, you know, it's your classic themes of, like, you're by the fire, yeah. with your loved ones. It makes you want those things. It's, like, nostalgic of, like, oh, I like to be there with, <laughs> yeah. my, with it, my husband, yeah. with my partner, with whoever. Right. It's the most, it's super carpenter sound. Yeah. Um. And that has their style, and I think, is it Mary? Is that her name? Karen. Karen. Karen Carpenter is like, I know she's lauded for her voice, so yeah, she has I mean, she has a very beautiful voice. I wish you Merry Christmas, Christmas Happy New Her voice is just pure. It's a just a pure, pure voice, and it does have all the hallmark hallmarks of that Carpenter sound: the strings, yeah. the layered backing vocals, very produced sound quality. It sounds like the '70s to I could me. See this being like the background of a Christmas movie: the two couple, the people yeah. are dancing, the unlikely couple, and the songs playing in the background, and they just start falling in love. It's like that. It, uh, it is. It's a it's romantic a song. song I think maybe love. the reason why it isn't that well known is because it doesn't really sound like a Christmas song. No. Like it sounds like any Chris- Carpenter song. Like if you just heard it, you wouldn't think Christmas right away. Not that all of them, all of these do, but this one doesn't really sound Christmassy. I like it though. I think it's a great song. Yeah, but it's... I don't, I, honestly, I don't remember now. Does it have any jingle bells? I don't or... one think thing it I does. noticed was it was like very smooth, and at the end, it has that weird like, yeah. round. Like, for yeah, like, I remember three seconds that. Where she just was like, There's like these Mary, layered Mary, voices. At the very end, and I was just like, that's different. But then it ends. There's a sax solo for like a yeah. little bit, I think. It's a very smooth. I almost middle of the road sound, sad. and I maybe you're right. Maybe maybe that's why it isn't as well known because it doesn't have all of the trappings of a Christmas song. You know, I don't recall there being jingle bells, and it's not upbeat. You know, yeah. I, I mean, when we go, if you go back to um, 
the Bing Crosby song, it's not upbeat either. But maybe because it's been played so much and it's around so much, you instantly think, oh, that's a Christmas song. Maybe it's just because we're, we're not as f- familiar. Yeah. We don't hear this one as regularly. It's not my favorite on the list. No. But it's not the worst. I I, I, I mean, I don't really want to compare. I'm not, I don't want to compare it too much right. to the others, but I, I like it. I like it. It's, it's, the, it's one that I wasn't I, expecting. I, I guess from just looking at the playlist, I think this was from a full Carpenter's Christmas album. You know, they probably covered a bunch of traditional Christmas songs too. It would be kind of interesting to go back and listen to that and see what their Carpenter's take is on Jingle Bells or whatever. Uh, yeah. But it, I think this, again, this is a great representation, as you said, of the Carpenter's and of the decade too. So then we shift from the 70s into a great 80s Christmas song, yeah. and this is definitely a family favorite, a Christmas wrapping by The Waitresses. And so the obvious thing is it's a pun. That's the best part is it's, <laughs> yes. it's a pun is incredible. So you, what, I also would you think call it's, it rapping? Would you call it rapping? Well, yeah, I okay. would say this is rapping. Uh, it's very light rapping, and that's a whole different genre, obviously, yeah. we could talk about. But yeah. Um, but I think this is definitely one of the most original songs on this list. It has a different theme, and it's very creative for sure. It's a tells it's just a story from five yeah. minutes long, nonstop talk. And yeah, it's a full story, start to finish. I have previously said that this is the greatest Christmas song of all time. Yes, Simon <laughs> yes, yes. And I don't, I don't want to walk it back, but I when after when listening to this place, I was like, it is probably still at least my top two or something for me. But maybe there may be one. It's top five for me for better. sure. I love this song. It's definitely top three. It's it, I, I'm pretty sure I have a top three or top five. Um, unordered. I I'd also say. love that you can just like tell what it is. Like at the beginning with the electric guitar, it's like narrow, 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 narrow. Like immediately, oh, it's Christmas wrappings. Also, it's like the fact that she's telling a story in a way that a lot of people connect with Christmas, but a lot of people don't speak about is like, oh, like I'm, you know, trying to hang out with this guy, but think mistakes keep happening and now I just want to be alone. Like it's been a really hectic year. Like that's right. relatable. The stress of the holidays. <laughs> uh, I said the same thing. The, the rhythm guitar is just great. And what I like about it is that they did not go for sarcasm or irony. You know, because this, this is a band that, you know, I, their other big hit was um, I Know What Boys Like, which is kind of a sarcastic, ironic yeah. take on romance or relationships. This is just a sincere, I like Christmas song. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and it's it's funny. You mean I think you that's forgot a, Cranberries too? too. I, th- I have yeah. that quote <laughs> written down. I think that's the big appeal to is that it's funny. The lyrics are funny. memorable lyrics i mean you remember that that lyric you ju- you remember just the first line yeah also yeah you the remember the bridges bridges in between the that's too yeah. strong 
the verses in between or the the bridges in between the verses the instrumental is just so catchy too yeah, yeah. Just, you can i can see like we dance around the house as a family obviously right with this song but i can also see other people doing that yeah and again i think it just it does encapsulate the 80s the sound the just the production the the instrumentation everything about it has that 80s feel but it's not dated it doesn't come no. across dated at all make um, maybe uh, some last christmas maybe <laughs> <laughs> i did this song last year in drag i remember i did this song like um, that which was like and it's still relevant <laughs> I it's love still this relevant like that's the other song that really i could have picked was last christmas yeah from the 80s which is probably the most 80s song of of, of, of the christmas, christmas but i personally not my favorite so i was like i like christmas right that's one of my favorite songs this is way better than, this is way better than last christmas i think it's much better just a personal thing but yeah. also i think i just think the lyrics and stuff are better i well, that's I not agree. on this list so we can't really compare them all yeah. the uh, the bass uh, I really like the bass. It's very groovy. It yeah. keeps. I think bass. I mean, I don't know like anything about music, but the bass. I feel like the bass is kind of the underrated thing that maybe you don't consciously listen to, but it like can keep the tempo and keep like how that upbeat it is. And I think it does. I like tried to listen to it, and it's... it just keeps driving the song forward. So a, a great song. I mean, and I know we're clipping this through these pretty three. quickly. Top three for me. Top three. It's, it's, I haven't done a, an at official end, list. But at the end, I'll do I'll, a top. I'll tell you my list I'll do a at top. the end. But I'll do a top three, three or five at the end. So then we move, obviously, to the next decade, into the 90s. And this is it. This is this is it. I think for, mo for many, many people, this is Christmas. Definitive. Um, the definitive Christmas song, All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah the Carey. The classic Mariah song. And I feel like she's more famous for this than anything else. I think Definitely. at this stage she probably is. As many hits as she has had, and she's had record-breaking, I think, number one hits, this is the when song. When Christmas comes around, people everybody know Mariah's yes, coming. Yes. And I think in the past maybe I was resistant to all I want for Christmas is you. It's just overplayed. But, That's the thing. Yeah, but I think now I've accepted. I've yeah. embraced it. <laughs> Once you yeah. accept it, it's a good song. And I, this is, because this is Christmas rapping, maybe, but as I listen to it, I'm like, this song may be the goat. It may be the goat Christmas song. <laughs> I, 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 like, I kind of, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm up there with you because I think this is the modern version of the Ronettes Sleigh Ride song. It's fun, and I love the back. This has the background singing, it has the, background the guys' singing. background singing, and, uh, um, and it, it is just overplayed and everything. Like it's played on department stores and everything, and yeah. that's why people are so resistant to it. But it's a fun song in the end. It is a great. It's just a great pop song. It's yeah, and it was popular for a reason. It's the perfect pop song. I mean, it, it really, it just kicks off. I, I love the, you know, obviously it builds and in with her, her, with her, her vocals. And then the, there's that little piano flourish at the beginning. And then it kicks in. It kicks in and you get, again, you get the drums. The drums just tear, tear. And then, of course, she can sing like nobody else. It's a, gr it's a great yeah. Great song, and I think, and I think Olivia, you're right. It's overplayed, 
and it's easy to be like, oh, I hate that song. You yeah. know, it, that, that song's cheesy. That song, it's, I, I don't care. I think anyone who says that they don't like the song is lying to themselves. Lying. They're a Grinch, or they like I it, think, but they yeah. don't admit it. They don't want to admit it. I used, I think, I used to be like that, but now you're in denial. But now you're. I'm willing to call show. it the goat. I think it's it's Mariah Carey singing, but it's not too overboard. No, she does. She's her. not doing the crazy I up and down. I will say, the beginning it has a little bit of the slow build, and it's like yeah, into it. We're that's going. what's so good, and that's what gets you. I I'm never bored when I sing this song. There's no part where I get bored. And you, again, you have to sing along. You have <laughs> it's to. universally yeah. known. It's universally known. That's probably. I mean, the true. lyrics. I mean, I'll talk about the lyrics. The lyrics are fine. They're not anything really right. special, easy, whatever, but they're but... easy to sing along to. And it's just, it's such a bop. Lyrically, it's a bop. no. Lyrically, it's not nearly as good as Christmas rapping, but from a pop perspective, and it just grabs you. You just got to get up and dance around and sing to it. And you just can't stop yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's an uh, automatic biological response. I'm dancing right now. It's the viewers the can't see me, but I'm doing <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, even when you just think about it, you know, I can hear yeah. the the background vocals in my head right now as we're just talking the And I, yeah. background vocals I feel she's buried so in my mind until Christmas season, then, and she comes out, I mean, and she, I hear her all the time. I think I read somewhere where she makes, like, millions of dollars just off of this every song. Every Christmas. Yeah, she it's doesn't awesome. need to do anything else, probably, because every Christmas, this song just hits Pops the charts. Yeah. Everyone listens Everybody to it. Everybody listens to it, streams it, downloads it, whatever. It's just, it's amazing. And I'm sure that's true across the entire world. Okay. So, again, w- w- this is definitely up there in terms of the GOAT. So now we move on to the uh, the 2000s, I guess. Uh, and this song is Elf's Lament by Bare Naked Ladies. Featuring Michael Bublé. Oh, yeah, Ma- that's Michael right. Bublé. Featuring Michael Bublé. Michael Bublé does make an appearance. He doesn't get so, his own song, but Christmas he's here. Yes, so definitely this is the, you the know, prince. they bring I... in the prince or the king of Christmas, which is a great addition to the song. I will say this song is a favorite of mine. I knew the song before we listened to it. I love the Bare Naked Ladies. And I just think, I think this is probably the most creative, if not the most creative, tied maybe with Christmas rapping. But it's it's very different. It's, it's, it's original and it's more of an adult joke. Like kids won't mm-hmm. get this really. It's pretty right. deep. And like, mm-hmm. if but if as an adult you can enjoy it because you're like, okay, it's kind of ironic, like you know what they're doing. Well, it's hard to write an original Christmas song and not have it be kind of just like every other Christmas song. It's really different, and it is really different. And again, to me, it's again just another great pop song that just happens to be about Christmas. Yeah, I think that's the key to 
to the to these songs. They just have to be good songs. Yeah. First. I mean, they hook you in the lyrics. They rhyme every single line. That's really hard, especially with a song yeah. like this. And then it has, you know, the naughty or nice, but consider the price. To well, an and elf, I think similar, I yeah. similar to Christmas wrapping, there's a lot of words in there. There yeah. is a lot of words. The bare naked ladies it, yeah. are kind of known for those. It has the bare naked ladies stamp. Yeah, you can tell it's bare naked ladies. It has the chickadee uh, china. The Chinese chicken. <laughs> yeah. They don't go quite. They don't do quite that, that kind of a but rap. But they get they they do it for but, like a little but bit. But the number of syllables in mixed into that melody, it's amazing that that they did that, and it it, it does have that bare naked ladies feeling. But I think they were brilliant in bringing in Michael Bublé <laughs> yeah. to, to add even another layer of they Christmasness know. to it. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking, and I was like, is this is a truet? I mean, there's three. Oh, that's true. Because they have the two Bare Naked Ladies Vocalists. guys, and then they have Michael Bublé. You can ri- bare naked, two Bare Naked Ladies guys sound pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah, um, you can almost feel like there's one person. I'm pretty sure it's two. It's two, though. And then, yeah. But when you listen to and it, And then Michael Buble has a very over. different voice. And it's, I mean, you have to hand it to Michael Buble's voice because this is not, this type of song doesn't really utilize his voice no. as well, but you can, he still has oh, like yeah, the silkiest right. voice. I didn't think about that because he's definitely one to hit those notes. I mean, and it's he's a different not, he's kind not of He's not crooning in this. No, he's just, but he's, yeah, he's singing. You're right. His voice is the smoothest of and the three. And you can tell it's him. Yeah. It's, it's another great song. And I mean, this is one that, we had to have listened to because we have this CD. I just think the lyrics are so clever. But it's not one that we tended to listen to a lot for whatever reason at Christmas time. Um, maybe because I'm too busy playing remixes. I listened but... to this on my own, and I've listened to it on my own for years. And I just think I it's have a listened, great song. but it's definitely I being reintroduced to it. I could easily put this in my top five too. I think. I think well, I'll I'll reveal my top five at the end. But. So now we're moving closer to uh, present day. Uh, the next song is "Christmas Tree Farm" by none other than Taylor Swift. Uh, T Swizzle, artist of the decade. The artist of the decade. I'm a little torn with this one because it's definitely Taylor Swift song if you've heard taylor swift it's like almost the exact same thing she does and she's changed from you know her previous like her her older songs to now but it does have a feel of christmas so like you know and apparently she grew up in pennsylvania i looked that up um and she's just talking about like kind of how she used to like being on the farm in pennsylvania which is like it's relatable i don't think it's the best song in the world the first thing i want to say is the I think I love the uh, picture. I think it's a very cute. Oh, on the, oh, the album! Such, yeah. such yeah. a cute photo of her. Is that her? I'm assuming it's her. It looks like her. I, I, <laughs> I, the, it's a little girl. So it's assuming her holding, it might be her holding uh, a lamb. Yeah, in front of a, a tree. Out in the snow. I mean, it's evocative of of Christmas in the country. Um, to me, when it started at first it reminded me of the carpenter song because it was slow it had a lot of strings but then it kicked into the more typical it had the jingle bells yeah it kicked into the more typical taylor swift sound um you know her, more of her typical pop sound and it is original like it's different than, it's it, and it, it's yeah, not a cover but it's not like right. extremely different like than everything i like it i like it i i think it's good 
I think it's catchy. It's I'm, it's just a good. It's a simple pop song. I, I, I was. Just be, I'm sorry, Simon. I mean, my expectations weren't really high. I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan, so I heard it and I was like, it's good. I, I might like just it. be biased to like the older songs and that I, I grew up hearing more with you, Dad, because you played the older I, ones I, a lot. I'll be honest. I, it's a good song. There's nothing wrong with it. I found it a little generic compared generic to some of the other songs that we'd been listening to. And and maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Maybe I shouldn't be comparing it to Elf's Lament or I mean all it's, I want for it's hard not you. to compare. It just came across to me as being okay, that you know that's all right. I could see where it would be popular and people would like it. It's not one that I'm like, oh that's got to go on my next Christmas list. No, I don't think it does, but I still think it's good. I, I would still give it like a solid seven. I think it's good. I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's well sung. It's well produced. She's got a beautiful voice. There's nothing wrong with it. It just didn't grab me. Yeah, I don't love it. I like it, but it's not my favorite. Yeah, song. no, it it didn't. But I, I mean, my just my ball. And I know is pretty, I have low. a tendency to maybe to be known as the anti Taylor Swifty, which I'm not. <laughs> I just don't know her music there's that much. A, there's a line. During like the chorus, where I thought sounded a lot like her older like teen, f- cute songs, where she's like, "You would be there too." I like when yeah. how she sings that. I was like, "Oh, it's that sounds just like her." I'm on the phone. Like, we gotta talk story. quiet. <laughs> when yeah. she was like sixteen. Old school or yeah. love story. Which I I mean I was like it's kind of because it's not the whole song. It's just that one line. I was like, "Oh, it's kind of it's kind of cute. I like it." You're on the I'm phone kinda... with your girlfriend. She's upset. Maybe it's because I'm a teen. <laughs> I, I guess I'm like surprised it. that I hadn't heard this before, because I would have thought, even just playing a you know an Apple Christmas playlist, that this would pop up. And I, I just didn't ever see it pop up, especially as popular as Taylor Swift is. I'm, I'm surprised it's not more out there in the atmosphere. I will say she's also released a lot of music. This is so, true. So like it, yeah. she could have gotten buried in her other stuff. This is true. It's it has a really it has a big ending, which yeah. I wasn't kind of I, I wrote that like maybe it's thirty to forty seconds too long. I think it has the I like the big ending, but I think maybe and it's fine. It's kind of it's kind of a fade out, but it's maybe a long little long, but it's so Simon liked it a little bit better, I think, than you and I. I really. didn't love it. No, I liked it. I enjoy, like. I'll listen to Peace it again. Wasn't. But I mean, I, I'll, I'll go back and listen to this playlist again. So it's yeah, it's I, not. I wouldn't hit skip every time. <laughs> no, that's not a skip every time. Taylor Swift. It's it, no. Though. I'm in love with my car. <laughs> we'll bring it up like every pod. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm in love with my yeah. car. Yeah. Being bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now, final song. Obviously, up to the year 2021. Mary, this song is called Merry Christmas. It's by it's a duet, Elton John and Ed Sheeran. Although I think it's actually their names are reversed actually on the on the, it's on Ed the credits. I think it's Elton Ed Sheeran feeding Elton John. Elton John. Which Elton John has weaseled his way into so many new age artists stuff. He's, still he's just there. A well, it's because people love Elton. And, well, I don't know if they should love him for this one. I don't know if they love him for this. This, to me, was just okay. This it's... one was, was I think, the worst one. It, 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 this truly is just generic to me. This is love, drink, food, company, and mistletoe. That is what I just said. I mean, it has all the stereotypical trappings. It's got the jingle bells. It's got other bells in the background. 
you know, it, it obviously has some of that Elton John sound to it, the piano and stuff. It it doesn't do really much for me at all. It it's okay. It just I'm, might be popular because Elton John's in it. I mean, or, it's because Ed, it said Ed Sheeran. Sheeran. Good. I mean, know, it's catchy him. enough, I guess. But it it's just the same. Thing. That's what it's pretty much the chorus just over and over. It's yeah. a Hallmark There's card. barely any verses. Yeah, it's a Hallmark card. And I do not see this song becoming in the the canon of Christmas songs that people it's listen no more to. Right, Carrie, honey. It's oh well, there's no way it's not even close. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a good pop song, but I know it went to number one in England and for whatever reason in England, whoever gets the number one song at Christmas that's like bragging rights for or whatever and this went to number one which good for them but i i don't know of all the songs on on this playlist would this would be the one that i'd be like i don't really need to listen to that song again yeah i <laughs> you know? i like i like sorry ed i like sorry, El- elton. like elton he's great he's a legend but he's old and you can hear it you can hear that he's old i would yeah i mean if his it, voice isn't what it was no and not that he shouldn't sing, but it's it's kind of where it's like every time you say I'm like, yeah, it's cool, but just because it's Elton. If right. it wasn't Elton, I'd be like, this person's why is this person singing? <laughs> like it's <laughs> why is Ed Sheeran's ouch. granddad why is, ouch. Oh, that's a sting. I mean, take I right think there. that's the truth. If it wasn't if Elton, it wasn't Elton. <laughs> this might be controversial, but Elton sucks. No, 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 that, no, I don't I love Elton, but he's not you know, I don't think he's maybe it, he's a little overrated. It doesn't. It's a different sound, conversation. It though. doesn't. Uh, honestly, it doesn't Oof. sound that different from his Christmas song "Step Into Christmas." Step Into Christmas better, is better. Uh, is better though. Better call the fire department. That was a burn. <laughs> actually, when I, I was like, I was like, well, maybe they needed Bernie for this one because Bernie because the, the lyrics the lyrics were. Not good, in my opinion. They were just like, okay, my, yeah, they, they got mistletoe in there. Yeah, it's but, all the stereotypical stuff. My guess is that if I'm guessing Ed Sheeran wrote this song, I bet Ed Sheeran and basically, he just dashed this thing off in a second. I bet Ed Sheeran wrote. I mean, I'm sure he wrote all the lyrics because yeah. Elton famously doesn't write lyrics. Uh, and the the I was like the sentimentality. I don't know. Like I'm, I don't really like lyrics and pop songs when it's like I like I know there's been like a lot of pain this year. Oh. I was like, okay, Ed, they're selling something. Ed, you a lot of pain is going. I don't. I mean, not that you shouldn't reference current events or anything. It's one of those things where it's like they're trying to, re- to relate to everyone. So they I mean, can you sell could you could even say pain. I mean, for anything. I mean, for any year, you could say, oh, there's a lot of. That's pain. true. But, it doesn't have to be. Pain but I feel like they're definitely talking about a yeah. specific thing, and I for some reason it kind of dates it. And then also, Ed. I'm like, come on, Ed and Elton. We Same should just all down. sing Imagine together and then everything. <laughs> yeah. If we all sing Imagine together. I feel like from where we started and where we ended, the standards went down. Yes, I, I do agree. And I, I was trying not to do that because, I again, I get the rep. I think it's a bad rep, incorrect rep, that I don't like current music. <laughs> well, I, well, I think that's not <laughs> completely true because you do like Harry Styles and all those kind of. No, you like. You know, and you like BTS and you like all these different around the world stuff, but 
some things are better classic and like Christmas music I think is honestly better I classic. Mean, it's hard to redo originals. I'll I'll be, be on it. Like I like having picked the songs, I wasn't trying to pick the best songs. Like I wasn't really trying to search and find the best Christmas right, song right. that came out this year. I was like, okay, this is the pop song. Right. This would represent it. Let's just do this. Or Taylor Swift. She represents the 2010s no, I, better than I, anyone. I, I agree. And again, my overall thoughts on the playlist is basically a big shout out to you. Because this is, I, every song represents the decade. Uh, it, it really is a perfect representation of the last 10 decades. And this is a playlist I'll save and I will listen to every Christmas as long as I can. Um because I think it's it is a good representation of 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 the timeline of the Christmas evolution. music, the evolution of Christmas music. It'll be interesting in a year from now. I mean, yeah, if we're still doing the pod and we do this again, yeah, uh, what would be what's going to be the one for twenty twenty two? You know, yeah. Uh, and well, I think I could go back and and, and change, add more yes. because having one song is hard. I mean, it's hard. I mean, I wouldn't really say the Carpenters represent. I mean, it's hard to represent. An entire decade right. with just one song. I mean, you're right because you could. I mean, you could. The Ramones did a Christmas song in the '70s. Um, you know, there's a, Stevie Wonder. A, how many in the '80s? And obviously, in the '40s, you could pick a dozen that we all know. Do a little but, Frank Sinatra in there. Right. We don't have yeah. Frank in there. We don't have Nat King Cole. We don't yeah. have. You know, some of the the gods of Christmas music aren't on here. Where's Michael Bublé? But they do they yeah. do represent the decades, and I think it was it was a fun exercise uh, to listen to this list. So, like I said, I didn't rank these. Um, oh, yeah, I don't have an official top five. I do just, just spontaneously uh, in my top five, no particular order. Would definitely be Sleigh Ride. Would definitely be um, All I Want for Christmas Is You. Elf's Lament would be up there. I personally would put. Bowie and Bing, uh, which oh, is not yeah. on this not list. Not on this Dad, list. Dad, you got to bring Bowie. It's not on this list, but we didn't play that. You and Bowie. And um, and I would put I would probably put Nat King Cole, um, the Christmas song. Oh, so you're doing your the top Christmas five Christmas Those songs are, yeah, in general? Yeah, yeah. I not, thought you were doing it off this the list. Pod. My top five from this list. I, I mean, I, I would be a little harder to do. Um, I, I can do mine. Okay, so my top five from this list. You I, can do I already it. ranked mine before. Okay. Um, Sleigh Ride is number one. Absolutely. It's so good. Then I'll Be Home for Christmas just because I really like that song. Um, and I've liked that song before, and I just think it's, again, the best uh, Bing. Um, then Christmas Rapping. Then Elf's Lament, which, again, is great, I just think, compared to the other ones. And then, of course, All I Want for Christmas is You. Number five, but it's still up there. I just, I'm more of a classic person yeah, myself. Yeah. And I think that is also kind of what, how we were raised to. Yeah, we, we're you all got, You always play those school. songs like at Christmas. I mean, so. we're all more Sympathetic. classic rock <laughs> based in general, I not just for Christmas music. But yeah, I think my top five is actually the same as yours, but not the same order. I would probably have All I Want For Us Is You at one, then Christmas Wrapping. Not Christmas Wrapping? You, then... you even just said it was your the best Christmas song <laughs> I I said in the past. The past I changed my mind. And then Sleigh Ride, I'll Be Home For Christmas, Elf's Lament. I mean, probably. if we're doing top five just from this list, yeah. it would be the same five I songs. Think, I think... <laughs> <laughs> It would be the same five songs. <laughs> the disruption. Because 
Because those are the five best songs on this list. Yeah, There's I think no those doubt are, about it. I and mean, you I, would mix the order. Around. I appreciate the Carpenters one a lot, but I don't know if it's. I, it's, it's, it's tough. Five. It's tough. That's tough. I mean, even that that's tough though. And that not that it's bad. It's hard to yeah. beat those. Five. I liked it, but those were just yeah. They were the ones that I just personally loved the most, and I think they're popular for a reason. So I, again, a great playlist, and uh, anyone who's listening, I would recommend. Take, you know, creating of this list and, and listening to it yourself. So I guess uh, as usual, after listening, uh, going through the music choice, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back uh, right after this. But I want to be a dentist. And we're back. And we're back. Uh, as mentioned before, the film we watched is Tokyo Godfathers. It was released in 2003. It was directed by Satoshi Kon, who unfortunately died in 2010 from cancer. Um, uh, the story was by him, um, and it was co-written by him and Keiko Nobu, Nobumoto, uh, who was a screenwriter for Cowboy Bebop oh. and Wolf's Reign, which I didn't know. I did not know that. I didn't know that. Um, so, so. Initial thoughts. I liked this movie a lot. Um, it was very different. Obviously, uh, you know, we liked to watch anime, you know, at the house and all that stuff, but. I didn't ex- quite expect this type of movie was the movie you were going to pick when you said you wanted to do a Christmas movie. It's a very different perspective on like the meaning of Christmas, and it makes you think about things that people wouldn't necessarily... like. I feel like privileged people wouldn't necessarily like want or need to think about during Christmas time, like the homeless and like those who abandon children. And- Yeah, well, I think it was a, a really good choice because I know with Simon and I were discussing kind of how to structure the podcast and with you too, Olivia, was to pick a movie we hadn't seen. Because, I mean, it was, the obvious would be to pick one of the classics, It's a Wonderful Life or whatever. But I think it was good to do something that we didn't, I didn't have any expectations on this movie at all. Simon discovered this movie, recommended it, and was like, yeah, let's do it. None of us have seen it. And I agree. It was it was really different from the quote unquote typical Christmas movie. Where everyone's happy and like they all it's like you're you're like, Oh, we're gonna see Santa or whatever. You know? right. This is yeah. super different. Um I had no idea what movie this this was about, like what it was about or anything. Uh, do you guys usually give a synopsis of like what uh, the movie is about? Do we do kind of do you wanna run um, do a quick synopsis, Simon? I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I can. Um, I mean, I can also. <laughs> I didn't say my expectations. Oh uh, well, yeah. But do, my do both. I had pretty high expectations because it it's pretty critically well. It's well received, and also Satoshi Kon is a legendary filmmaker yeah. uh, in anime. He he did Paprika, Perfect Blue, Millennium Actress, which are all like really famous 
anime movies. Um, and I like, I do like it a lot. It's, 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 yeah, as you guys said, it's really different than the other Christmas movies you've watched. <laughs> yeah, it's not, uh, it's not the Santa Claus it's or. It's not your typical or, you know, But I also think it has a lot of similarities. Yeah, too. It, it, I do think the message is not too far off from the quote unquote typical Christmas movie because it's about family. It's about what is really important versus kind of the whatever the commercial aspects of Christmas. Yeah, but getting to the plot, uh, the basic premise is that there are three uh, homeless people that are kind of a makeshift family and uh, uh, one is kind of just this I guess middle-aged, older, yeah, old man, kind of a drunk, and then there's like a teen girl, and there's a trans, trans woman, woman, I guess, a, a drag queen, maybe is I I I don't know. I under, I I believe she is trans. Yeah, I uh, don't touch down on that, but from the context clues, I would just. Yeah. I mean, I I yeah. But uh, I mean, when it was made, you know, obviously the trans terminology maybe wasn't as common. Uh, but that's, I think, in today's you know vernacular, that's I think how we would you would describe this character. Um, and and basically, they uh, stumble upon a baby who was uh, an abandoned baby, and they kind of try to make it their mission to try to return the baby to its mother. Um, and it's Christmas, right? Uh, it's Christmas, and I'm guessing they're in they're, they're in Tokyo, to- and they're in Tokyo. They are in Tokyo. So, uh, and I mean that's the premise. I don't know. I mean, and to me, first thing that stood out was the animation style. You know, being an early 2000s anime, it doesn't look like what most people think anime looks like now. To me, you know, you don't have the characters with the big eyes and the very I mean I even they don't really even have western um to me they don't really have western features much like they do in a lot of anime I today like it um, can be comparable kind of to Miyazaki in like the expressions like how they're, they're just like very like each character is like very like almost like very individual characteristics. Like each one has like a really big head or like certain yeah. facial features yeah. or and like super in-depth expression. The facial yes. the facial expressions I did notice are really, really like well animated. Right. Um but and I mean this is a, at the time where Ghibli and Miyazaki were doing movies. I mean Spirited Away only came out a couple of years before it and I, I actually I think it's actually strikingly different than Ghibli. I don't think it looks like really. I mean, there are some. It doesn't have well, the modern anime style, but no. it isn't as. It's definitely not as colorful. It doesn't uh, have that. Well, I think part of it is because it's set in an urban environment. Yeah, and there too. isn't as much. I don't think there's as much actual motion in the backgrounds, like in. In some spirited way, it's like everything's moving. The, the wind and is blowing this the trees is like, and the it's, every and I think leaf it's of part of is, Yeah, it's part of I, the setting. Is I meant the, more so like the characters yeah. themselves. Yeah, the characters themselves. But I think that's what the is a thing in the movie as well, is that the the setting is this 
it, it can be a lot of different things. I think, and I think that's something that happens a lot is that through throughout the movie is that Tokyo, and and there's there's some stuff I have about this, but Tokyo is kind of a character yeah. in the yeah. movie, and they you know see the different sides of Tokyo, and it's grim, but then other times it's beautiful, and they do a little like Oliver Twist going through the different like. Uh, levels of poverty and like wealth yeah and and i do think that the the backgrounds are well detailed too that's something that i noticed was these little details that obviously you have i mean what two years ago we were in japan at christmas time and you know the details of the convenience stores or just how the streets looked and things like that were, were very realistic to me. Even within this kind of cra- almost crazy, somewhat melodramatic story. And the thing that I put down was so many coincidences. Yeah. It's yes. all interlocked. Like it's kind of like love yeah. actually. Like each character is connected to another uh, yeah. character. And then they, they're like, oh, it's you. And I didn't know it was you. Yeah. And here's the thing. is like I was – I kind of mentioned this to dad when we were watching it that there's little clues as to like what the meaning is happening. Like, you know, and like each number sequence was 1225, which is Christmas Day. Uh, um, which I have to say, so I didn't know. Every I did single not notice. number sequence was twelve twenty-five, <laughs> and you know the and the um. The, I think that's a really good analogy, Olivia, with love. Actually, I didn't think of that. I was thinking of well, it's almost like a rom-com because you know in rom-coms things happen because the plot has to have it happen. And I'm not saying this as a negative for the movie. I think that's part of the charm of the movie is that the guy there's almost, so many coincidences. Yeah. Oh, you're that person. You're yeah. that person. You and and everything leads to kind of tie the bow on top of the story, um, which I found interesting. Uh, there were aspects of it that there were times I was like, where is this going? And there were a couple things that I still did. I'm like, why did they have that in there? You know, like, why did she stab her dad? Yeah, I uh-huh. didn't. Re- something about the cat. I Do mean, think they got rid of the cat. And I, d- I have no idea if that was actually true like because they had like that dream sequence where she was dreaming but they didn't explain it at all and then i didn't really understand what the old man gave the guy in the bag so like, oh it old was man who died yeah it was Jim. it was the winning lottery ticket but i thought the other guy well the other guy won one. some lottery but on the news they announced the numbers for the big, the big lottery. One. It was like 2 was million dollars. Yeah, and something. you saw the num- and all the numbers were were, one. were ones. Yeah. And you saw that in there. So um, implying that, that so implying he's going to get rich. Yeah, his 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 fortunes will You know, will another change. coincidence. Yeah. But I mean, with the coincidence, that's something that it it's a movie that is it's it's a fantasy movie. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But it's but it's done in a way that makes it realistic kind of and I, and that's def- like I have I mean that's definitely what he was going for. I mean, a quote from uh, Satoshi Khan, he says, "This film is an attempt to restore in a healthy way the miracles and and coincidences that have been pushed into the other world by the weapons of scientific logic." Uh, 
I don't really know what that, <laughs> what that means. means. But, but uh, it was it was it was he went out of his way. But going with that, and and the 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 that sort of like Tokyo being a character, um, this is like apart from the Wikipedia page. Uh, uh, the other idea, uh, the idea of anime animism in the city that even the buildings and alleys of the city may have a soul and that the main characters step into the other world that overlaps the city. Khan imagined a story in which the three people enter a different world where strange coincidences occur in succession and they recover their relationship with their families and society through their adventures and another protagonist named Tokyo is watching over them. In fact, landscapes that look like faces in which the outdoor units of air conditioners and windows are used as eyes and mouths are embedded in various cuts, which could be said to be the figures of the gods of the city staring at the main character. I'll have to go go back and watch that. I didn't even think about (laughs) that. I didn't catch that. I'm mostly focused on the characters, so I'm not looking at the kind of the scenery as a whole. Yeah, and and going, Uh, going with that, I mean, the... And during the credits, the the, city the is city's dancing. dancing. The city yes. is dancing. Um, I, I did notice that. And 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 I think well, that's an interesting quote because. You know, to me, that it was kind of one of those. They are really a family, but they did also get reintroduced to their "quote unquote" real family throughout the whole story. I mean, too. each character also talks about what they want most as they go on, and then they achieve those things. Like at the very beginning, Hannah is talking about like, "Oh, I would love to be a mother if yeah. only I could be a mother." And then they find this baby, so she's like able to do that. But she's also kind of a mother to this teenage girl, right? And then. You know, Jin's talking about I. I just want to see my daughter again, and he runs into her because she's the nurse. And the girl's talking about wish she, she wished she could reconcile with her dad, and then he's the inspector. And so, right. like, yeah. you know, yeah. they all got what they wanted. They just it just was a roundabout way of getting there. They didn't directly approach it, but it just happened while they were doing this good deed, which is like the big part of Christmas. Is that like I feel like in this movie, the theme is like good things will come to those who are doing also other good things. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like the city watching over them, the obvious one is like the gust of wind at the end, yeah, yeah, floating her down, right? <laughs> she went for the baby, and she and she yeah. grabbed it and just, she, yeah. she just floats to the ground. She's okay. And some, I think, some people might think that's cheesy. I don't. I was no, I don't. I, I, I think, honestly, I think it's good. I mean, especially. I mean, you're at the point where you you want that to happen. You're like, you don't want them to fall to and die. die. Yeah, the baby, that'd uh, be so sad. And and it it it, it fits all the, it the mood fits of in. the film. Um, and they, I think the characters, you know, they even talk about how this is a coincidence. And yeah. Um, but I think that's like it's kind of this subtle fantasy thing. Um, it, I would put it into fantasy like i actually would consider it a fantasy i mean it's different it type of fantasy but i would consider it a fantasy it's it is like this other world that they're in where it this doesn't make sense i mean it, it doesn't make sense it would never happen in real life no but it makes sense in the world yeah you're right and, and to me it was i mean it was kind of one of those oh i can't believe this is happening moments but 
you just have to go go with it. You suspend your disbelief. This is a, a movie where you you truly have to suspend your disbelief and just kind of embrace the the craziness of it in a way and the fantastical elements. And there are a few things that again, I, I made note of either that I thought were cool or I'm still kind of wondering why they did it. One thing that I thought was cool was the way that they did the the credits were all on written things in the background of the movie. Yeah, I remember that. I feel like that's a classic. The beginning, the intro credits. Yeah, the intro um, credits. I, I, yeah, I thought that was just really, really fun. I was just really good. And I was watching it, and I didn't catch it at first, and then the final credit, you know, pull, there's a truck that pulls up, and the subtitles put, directed by Satoshi Khan, and I was like, so is that what the truck says? And I actually asked Sora... And she's like, yeah, that's what the truck says. Oh, you didn't I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it. I realized it. I didn't realize it until that scene. And then then when 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 I kind of we restarted it. I looked at it, I was like, oh, they're all in the in yeah. The... That's I I noticed it because of how they were framed and stuff. But I was yeah, I was like, that's interesting. That it's just again, like I mean, if you want to read really far into it, you could say it's setting a tone of like of, the people being Tokyo. You yeah, know, being you could now and, now that you've read that uh, quote. I feel like a lot of the little miracles of like Tokyo watching out for them could be. Things that actually could happen, but the way they yeah. string them along makes it fantastic. Having them all happen, um, <laughs> and I mean, what comes to mind is first of all the the owner of the club, or no, the the guy who's marrying his daughter to the owner of the club being stuck under the car, right? And they're helping him, yeah. and then also when they're in the convenience store and the guy asks them to leave, and then a car immediately crashes right. into after they leave. <laughs> Yeah. Like those things, I was like, oh, well, that's all a these just strange little things. But, you know, and they keep saying, like, Kyoko is a gift from God. Like, thank God. Like, yeah. You know, we're going on this because we can. Well, and the fact that, you know, that I, I guess they named. That did I can't remember mm. now. Did the because, older man name it because no. that was the daughter's name? Because, oh, oh yeah, and no. multiple people were Kyoko. Hana Hana said it named meant, like, it light. Kyoko, and then he he kind of reacted to it because it's his daughter's right. name, right? And they don't reveal yet until what, later. But it is. But basically, it's another coincidence where she just happens to name this baby the name of his daughter, and yeah. she didn't. And know. then also the woman, the young woman who's getting married, was named Kyoko too. Well, that's his. Daughter, who or no, the, the other the one? Guy being, was it? Was it really? I don't remember to, that. Yeah, she was getting married to the guy who owns the club. She, right. Her name the, was Kyoko, also, which was also a coincidence. Kyoko, ah, ne, atashi tachi ni misukete hoshikatta no yo. Kyoko, nande Kyoko da yo? And then I really like the way that. that that Hannah would pause and do a haiku periodically. Yeah, she yeah, I love the haikus, and it was like written on the screen. Yeah, yeah. She, she the was, first time she's like, this calls for a haiku. She's my favorite character because she was just so over the top, but she had it like she was had the best, I feel, at heart for all of them. She was really looking out for them, but also she's just like such well, a drama queen. I loved it. She would just cry randomly. And on her character, I think it's a very honest 
touching portrayal of a trans person, which is somewhat surprising for, I, I don't mean this wrong, but for a Japanese film in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, I mean, because, yes, every now and then they, I mean, they call her a homo or whatever. But to me, that's almost like the family, a family just kind of doing little insults to each other, but they don't really mean it. I mean, it's hard because, you know, it's the early 2000s. And, and would that, I mean, it's hard, it's hard balance when you're like trying to be quote unquote realistic and saying, oh, well, they would say that because that's what, how people talk. Um, and then, so I don't really know where I stand on whether you should use like bad language or no, slurs or something no, I, I, because it's realistic or not. But uh, I think it is good because, and what the movie does really well is it, it immediate you are immediately endeared to these characters. You care right. for them immediately. I mean, in one of the first lines, you know, they're kind of teasing her because, you know, she's she's quote unquote not really a woman because she's got she's got balls essentially is what they say, and and she just says, well, that was just an accident. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it kind of puts it out there where she doesn't, she's not, you know, what the typical character like that would be of the of the day. I really don't. I think it was really written she's quite of, well for the time. She's sort of reminiscent. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Rent, but she's sort of reminiscent of the character Angel in Rent. Uh just a little reference there. But, but I, um, well, if, if, I also yeah. like that she said, the line I like she says a few times is where she's like, you can, you know, yeah. call me out, but if you call me pops, like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, I was going to say up. that. Like, that's kind of a joke, but it's funny. It's like she doesn't get insulted by any, like, yeah, by she a generic care, insult. But if you uh, call her a man, if you misgender right. her, then yeah. she's mad. That's why I think it's a very good representation. It's, it's not. You know, is it exactly what you would do today? No, but I do think it's it's very well done for the period, uh, and 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 it's animated f fine too. And I, I think there's an acceptance of her as a person, even when they go back to the the drag club, whatever you want to call it. I mean, everyone. It was more there. Like an entertainment lounge where she was singing and had the clientele. I would love to hear like someone who identifies as trans to comment on this movie i, yeah. I kind of want to look at like reactions from the lgbt it would be interesting to see because i yeah. you know, i don't have the you know i don't have the credentials quote unquote to quote on that but from no. an outside perspective i i think it's great representation i i think she, and she i think she's well illustrated and uh, the voice acting is good i i think it's just they're all good characters but i, I do think she's kind of a standout uh but i, I mean i wanted i think what make what I like a lot and what makes me really good is that it's such a small story. It's not about saving Christmas. Right. It's not it's about. It's just about yeah, this right. baby. It is one baby and these three people and them trying to do yeah. this. And it's just a couple nights or whatever. And that's what I like. It's 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 very, it's small and and I think it's a lot more personal. It's not like you know they have to save Christmas or Santa's right, gonna or die. Someone, right? Yeah. So or like, and they know what it's like to be like on the edge of death outside. They're living outside right. the box, like, and they're like, no one should abandon a child, like, and this child could die. 
And I love that they are like, we're going to take care of it because we're literally the last chance for this kid and it's the right thing to do. Um, Because they know the perspective, they know their own lifestyle. And it's like, they're like, a gin was like, man, I, you know, as a, as when I'm in my 30s, I knew, but like as a kid, like, no. He talks about like how kids should never be homeless and that kind of thing. I mean, obviously, family is kind of the big theme uh, of of the movie, and and also the the difficulties of staying together as a of, as a family. You know, there every everyone has yeah. something that has kind of torn their family apart, um, but they come together as a family. But then they also find ways to kind of heal their previous family too. You're right. It's a small story, and but it still has all those Christmas themes. Yeah, I I think, and as the structure too, I I think the how it slowly, um, get, like how you learn slowly about these characters and you learn about each character's backstory. Uh, I think that's done well because you care about first they get the movie gets you to care about them right away, um, but you don't really know anything about them. Um, but you know it endears you with their banter and how and, and that's the part too is you know they they banter and stuff, but they do all care. They all really right. they all love each other and they. Uh, but then you learn about each backstory. And I don't and I don't I think it, it's a good amount of not too much backstory because and you got you were saying like why does she stab her dad it's to me it's not even important i don't really it doesn't matter that much to me why i mean they just show it and you, you just know that oh there's something wrong i i that's i don't think i think that was good it maybe you're right i mean to me it was just one of those things that was just kind of left hanging there um but i agree with you in terms of you immediately know the characters really from the first 5 minutes cuz uh the uh jin is immediately kind of the grumpy sarcastic guy just waiting for the food and while at church that's the only reason he's there in fact he says something like joy to the world the food has come oh, yeah. you know <laughs> so he's making fun of church and christmas the uh you know uh, Hannah is immediately talking about how, you know, she's really a woman and she wants to have a baby. And she makes the joke about, you need to give me more food because I'm, 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 eating, for two. I'm eating for two. And then you see, um, I can't remember the girl's I name. I think it's Miyuki, something uh, like that. And she's obviously kind of the troublemaker kind of teenager. She's spitting on people she's from the roof. She's also in denial. I mean, like, yeah, she's because she's team. like, I can go home whenever I want, and the guy's like, hey, yeah. six months on the street, you're homeless. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, you immediately, and that's within the first five minutes. Of the it's movie. something too where they don't know about each other's backstory, either. right? And uh, then maybe that's part of the ethos of the homeless. You don't, you don't, you no don't judgment. Ask. Yeah, yeah, you don't. It doesn't matter. Like it's, and that's what you know. They all have regrets, right? Um, but they're trying to move on. And slowly on. things come out. And all of these coincidences kind of reveal them to each other. And, and you know, there are po- points where they're mad at each other and they're like, I don't care about him anymore or whatever. But then the next second they're worried about him and chasing them down. Yeah. I mean, the, the obvious is when they think that Jin died. Right. And she's crying. Hannah's crying. Right. And, and then she realizes that it's not him. And she's like, where did that worthless guy go? <laughs> like immediately yeah. back to her. Uh, 
One, no, go ahead, Olivia. I just something I liked about the movie is that it did have a twist, which yeah, I didn't think it was going to have a twist. I think they were going to turn the baby and it was going to be it. But yeah, then, you're right. So finding out that lady is kind of had a mental breakdown because she lost her own baby is another thing where it's yeah it's another like broken home story right um and then they go back and they chase after her which is was the part where i didn't yeah, expect that I mean, to happen i where, was yeah they give her the baby and then they're like oh we did the wrong thing and, and hannah yeah. was like you gave her back to the thief like <laughs> or yeah or Jin finds out that I mean, it's, you know, it's another where Jin coincidentally finds out that it's not that. And then, you know, they at that point, they've split up and then they get back together. Uh, but I mean, the the mother of the baby it, or not the mother, I guess. Right. Uh, she uh, I mean, she goes a little crazy, like she's kind of crazy. But I mean, I think there's she does kind of the classic thing, a bad thing that you shouldn't do in denial is that, you know, if we had a baby, it would fix Right, it would fix everything. Uh, which really, it wouldn't, it would just bring a kid into it. Right. Um, so, and that's what she even says. I mean, she's like, you know, my husband would fix himself and our life would be great. And and so she does the wrong thing and just right. steals someone else's baby. baby. Yeah, uh, that I wasn't expecting that. You're right. It, it That kind of came out of the blue. And uh, but of course, it wraps up well. The, you know, there's that moment of of fear when you know, I mean, she, she thinks she's. You, you know, I mean, you don't think she's going to really die, uh, and then you have the miracle of the wind saving saving uh, her. I mean, another coincidence too is, and it's with them. Do is they just they just save her from killing herself, and that just happens to be the woman, like right. that they're looking for. So it's it's a coincidence, but I don't know. I I think it's good. I think there's. A difference between making something that's logical and makes logical sense and makes them that makes sense within the film within the film and that is is emotionally resonant. Yeah. And you know, as Hitchcock says, logic is dull. <laughs> yeah. I also just love how it tied it off. Cause I was like, I didn't really understand the title to be literal until the end. Where the pe- yeah. parents are like, I don't care if they're homeless. I want them to be the godparents yeah. because, like, they they really went out of their way right. to take care of this baby. Yeah, I was wondering whether, like, it was a translation thing on why it was godfathers and not godparents. Because, I mean, even if you were to say the trans woman isn't a woman, There's there was the girl. A, another girl. So right. I don't know if that was a translation thing or just the title anyway. Um, and also, really. What it really might be is, and I saw this, um, was uh, it may be a nod to a, an early movie called Three Godfathers, which is a 40s movie, John Ford, John Wayne starring. Um, and it's it's not the same, but I think it definitely influences it. And it's it's about three thieves and wrestlers on the run who come across a stranded woman who is dying while giving birth. And they promise to bring the baby to safety. And it's somewhat similar in that there's three kind of... Uh, Different kind of like people uh, that you wouldn't think are responsible for have, taking care yeah, of a baby. Yeah, and, and they have to take care of a baby. Um, so it may, like, I, I, in the, I read the Roger Ebert review and he said, you know, was, the title's a nod to, to that, that. that movie, which I'd never heard of. That but, makes sense, yeah. Um, he I mean, gave I, it three, obviously, three out of four um, stars. 
Satoshi Kon's probably was a yeah a, knew all about movies and probably had seen every John Ford movie ever made probably too. A um, couple other things that again I, I hate to keep picking bringing up things that I wasn't really sure, clear on, but there's the scene when they're I think they're in maybe in a in a train station or something, and or they're going down an escalator and a lady comes down the escalator and says there was a miracle, and I don't know why she says that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to remember that. I'm trying to think part. of that one scene. When in the movie is this early? I think no. They're 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 chasing or running somewhere, and I can't remember where honestly. But they're they they're running in. I can't remember if they're in a building or in a. Were they in a tra- in a tra- in the train station maybe before they they get on the subway and. There's just this woman that's going down an escalator, and she sees them run by, and the the camera zooms in on her, and she just says, "There was a miracle." Maybe there. T- she was talking about the baby, as in like baby Jesus, kind of a reference. I don't, I don't know. know. I, I mean, don't know. That's pretty vague. It just stood out to me, Maybe. and I was like, "What?" Was I mean, that's that? a. I mean, that could sum up the whole movie almost. Uh, there was a miracle. Maybe, maybe uh, you're right. Maybe it's just just the director I also just saying. Maybe the title you could maybe say that like Tokyo were the Godfathers of them, like the city. A little meta. Well, Tokyo were the god like to- the Tokyo gods are the Godfathers of. Oh, maybe. I don't know. So I mean, it was interesting. It'd be I, it, it'd be interesting if you guys look back at the film and found that scene and tell me what you think, uh, off off mic, um, and then just little things stood out to me. Uh, that Star Wars was the only videotape that, yeah, they, I noticed that was that. written on there that you could read and know what it was or that I could tell what it was. Uh, and I thought it was really interesting. You know, I don't know why this stood out. When um, they were, there's somewhere and there's these liquor bottles and there's a real, that says Four Roses Bourbon. And I mean, that's a real brand of bourbon. It was like, I, I was kind of surprised that they put that little detail in in the back. I was like, wow, that that's really stood out. It just I guess kind of stood out as well again, they got the details good. Um I mean overall, um I thought it was a great movie. Uh, the other thing that that all of the men are bad husbands. Yeah. Yes, I noticed that pattern. Not there's not a single good husband. I guess in the, the girls, well, the girls' husband, the dad, but the too. mom was just know. like praying on the side when that was happening. Oh I yeah, no, yeah. she could have called nine one one or something, but she was just like sitting there praying in that dream sequence where she stabbed him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I suppose, I suppose he might not have been a bad husband. I mean, I don't, we don't really know, but I, yeah, that's something that is there. Uh, like not all families are perfect, and they really outline that. But I mean, I think it's interesting. Is they do show there's a segment where they're chasing after the woman, um, with like who has the baby, and they show all these families with babies. Yeah, all the babies oh, you're are, right. are yeah. crying, and, and they're kind I, of leading them to the baby. Kind of leading them, kind of like a like dogs, like hundred one Dalmatians, and all the dogs, <laughs> like I, call to each other. Um, but I was like, that's interesting. And it is showing, like, these are kind of happy families. They're showing normal, like, two parents there with a baby. Um, but they're all crying. I mean, the, all babies cry. I mean, cry. babies cry. I will say I think the redeeming factor of the bad husband, or, like, maybe a little, 
was when Jin is talking to the guy who's like, I'm going to, you know, I got money. I can turn it around for myself. And he's like, listen, like, you're abandoning your wife. Yeah. You really need you. She lost a baby, too. Like, you know, I mean, it's fun for a while to gamble. But, like, in the end, you just lose yourself. Yeah. And it, I think him, like, kind of having that moment kind of redeems him. And also, like, he does look for his daughter. It, I mean, it's a classic where, you know, it's a classic where he sees himself. Yeah. And he's like, I, you know, when he says, I knew, I know someone who was like you. He's talking about himself. You right. Know? He's, he, you know, it's the class where he, he's trying to stop what could happen. And he's like, I know because it happened to me. I don't know whether he was redeemed or not, but he's someone who deeply regrets. Well, he could have done life. nothing, but he did say that. And then the guy goes and tells the girl not to jump. And that does essentially save them. I mean, she still he, jumps. But, well, she, yeah. Well, she falls, kind of, I think and they catch jumps. her. But the guy yeah, goes, I, "Stop! Don't jump!" You know, but then, we can turn but then it she says, "I want to be reborn," and still steps off. Yeah, so, I guess you're right. So, like, but I mean, he does he does think, run out there to her? But I think that's a moment where, like, she is living this lie, and 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 even though you know he she, I mean, obviously this is just him saying this, but even if you know that is exactly what she wanted, because he says, "I'll fix my life, I'll do everything," she still jumps off. She's still like, and he's, I think, if I remember correctly, he's kind of shocked, like, yeah, oh, he is. I thought I said what you wanted to hear, and you still jumped. So, um, but I mean, they don't show what happens to them. I mean, whatever, right? I mean, but. it. I feel like the movie kind of ended on an open ending too. Yeah. You weren't really sure what was going to happen to these characters. Um, I mean, it's implied that they'll get a lot of money. Right. It's, Im- I mean, it's implied that she maybe reconciles with, with her, her dad. dad. Um, but other than that, I mean, they're kind of back to where I mean, they started. He, I mean, I guess Jen is maybe reconciled with his daughter a little and bit. And his debts are gone because the guy died, right? Or didn't die? No, he didn't or- die. He didn't, didn't die. He didn't die. In fact, oh, he, he said he was happy that he didn't die. Okay, yeah, I remember Which that Which is, now. yeah, um, like I remember that and being like, he, you know, he's a good guy. He doesn't want him to yeah. die. He's like, it was my fault. Yeah, I was the one that ra- racked up all the, he shouldn't die because of, you know, me. Uh, the the side plot with the Spanish guy. That yeah, he, I have yeah. no idea what that was about. Something about like a gangs and that was the other thing that was like, well, that was kind of just thrown in there. Um, and then they, you know, she, the, the girl is hanging out now with the Spanish woman and they kind of bond over their parents, even though they can't speak the same language. It, it, so that, that seemed, I don't know if out of place was, isn't the right word, but I just think it's like it's bigger than their story and they're being involved in all these different things. And it's like they got caught up in something and then it, they're just moving on. I mean, that is something where they show a mother yeah. and a baby. Uh, um, and they don't really show that other. And also, I mean, you could say that maybe he wasn't a bad husband. I mean, yeah, he's you know, doing crime, organized crime stuff. But, I mean, he seems like he really was. I mean, he tries to kill them, but other than that, he seemed like a pretty I mean, obviously he brings her, you think he's bringing her as a hostage, which maybe he is at first. But then then he's like, no, you come this way, and, you know, here, your baby's going to get fed, and it'll be warm and all of this. And then he's not ever seen again. The rest of it is with the mom. 
yeah. uh, with the Spanish woman. Uh, and you're right, that is a, a scene where you see two happy babies and they're all swaddled up and, you know. I Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting to make it a, first a non-Japanese person. Yeah. Um, and doesn't speak the same language, but they're still able to communicate um, I mean, and maybe it is a way of showing that again, motherhood and family and all that—it's the same. Yeah. Kind of regardless of who you are, where you're from, what your circumstances are. Um, one thing that uh, one part that I really liked was when they were chasing after the guy. I think it's pretty funny. Is when they're like, "Which way did?" She go and the gin is like left, and they're like, okay, right. And he's like, why? Because you're a bad gambler. And, <laughs> yeah. and they were right, and he was yeah. wrong. He was wrong. So I was like, oh, that's funny. It's a, I, I, to me, that's like the best joke. <laughs> and then it leads into this action sequence, which they even call back to at times saying they're not action stars. Um, and then our Jin says he isn't oh, an action yeah. star. Yeah, he's like on the side of a car. And then he's on the side of a car. And then and then I think Han is like, you know, you know, who says you're not an action star anymore, you know. <laughs> yeah. And they bring back the taxi driver guy. Right, the taxi is the same taxi driver. Yeah, the taxi driver. guy just like runs into the building and points him in the direction. <laughs> he drives into the building, crashes his taxi. I mean, it's one of those things where then it becomes a, it's fantasy, you know. Why is the taxi driver doing? It? It's like it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's, it, it's it's just it, it is. It's part of the world. And I think they. What I noticed too is how, how they always, they keep they show them tired like all the time. Like Jin is constantly like running and is like super tired, but <laughs> is still able to keep going. Like he still keeps going, keeps going. They're resilient. And they sh- like they cut back to. Which I think is kind of funny, but they when they're having I think if it's Miyuki I don't I think if she, when she's trying to convince the woman not to jump off and it's cutting back it's cross cutting to Han and Jin like really tired rock, trying try, to climb, up, trying the to climb up the stairs and it's animated yeah. really good really well yeah. and it's really funny kind of but it's between this serious uh, scene. I, I, I think it's those little details too that really make you. Um, Accept the world, except even though it's kind of over the top and melodramatic at times and there's a billion coincidences, the little details that enamor you to the characters allow you to just accept, okay, yeah, this is how the world works. It kinda, just the part that is also similar to that for me is like those random guys who like beat him up for no reason. Yeah. It's like, are you serious right now? And then they yeah. think he's dead, but he's not. And then like his guardian angel is like the person from the club. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. At first, that threw me off. I was like, okay, so now are they introducing a fantastic? I thought element? he was dead, and then, but no, he's just seeing this woman. Right. It was. It's an animation thing. Right. Uh, it's a. Would you like my magic car, an ambulance, an ambulance, please? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, uh It's. I mean, it's not even necessarily an animation thing. It's kind of just a representation a visual representation of what he's seeing this right. angel comes down I mean and they yeah, the the kids beating him I guess that's really just a dose of reality you know in 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 the modern world maybe that you know that they're you know there's just these People, thugs people who like make that fun just of like them homeless people to mess with homeless can. people yeah and they don't show him get back the thing 
They just he just gets it back and he's super beat up. They don't right, they show d- him do it, which I, I think is smart. You didn't need to show it. Another fight uh, scene. Um, but yeah, that surprised me that he actually got it back. Yeah, um, but it was the money he was saving for his daughter. Right, so he, it was like all he had, so he wanted to get it back no matter what happened. But I mean, it, I guess it just kind of showed that you know, in the world there are kind of the heartless people, um, and it's just part of life. And again, obviously, another coincidence is, you know, they have to go to the hospital, and the exact amount of money it cost. Is what he's saying. And then, and the nurse secretary is his is, daughter. Is his daughter, who's going to marry the, the, the I mean, doctor. I didn't notice that there were like that many coincidences until I'm like, yeah, like everything is a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, like certain ones I noticed, but, but yeah. And, but I think, I mean, that's the kind of the theme, I think, of right. the movie. And it's a anime movie. I don't want to say. You're right. I mean, that's a good way of putting it everyday miracles. I don't. It's an anime movie, and I know people have preconceived notions of what anime is. Right. Um, but anime is a lot broader than, than people think. Right. And this isn't, this is a, it's a serious movie at times, and it's not a kid movie. <laughs> no, it's, it's not a kid. Ki- it's not Pokemon. It's not Naruto. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not, not Naruto. <laughs> It's not. It's not. It's not that. It's not teen. That's what you compare it to. It's, well, I mean, it's not even Ghibli. It's, I, no. Or it's not even. It's not even like the most famous Ghibli. It's not Miyazaki necessarily. It's and I know Roger Ebert even compared it to to Grave of the Fireflies. It's and dark, but I'm glad the baby didn't die in it. It's it's not as <laughs> yeah. it's not as sad yeah. and depressing as Grave of the Fireflies is, but it is that adult. I would say adult. Anime, uh, and a- around the same time, it's as different. Fireflies, but I think that's what makes it great. Well, and I do think it's a it it people when they hear the word anime need to get out of the, you know, well, this is what anime is. I mean, it's unfortunate. There's that the, you know, there's kind of this this one term that or one word that encompasses mm-hmm. a. A billion different styles of animation and of storytelling and and voice acting and yeah, it's it's more than you know what people think of it. And I think this would be a good introduction for some people, you know, for adults that are like, okay, you know, I'll I'm gonna watch a Japanese language animated film. I mean, I would always recommend Ghibli to anybody. Yeah. Uh, but this is for adults too. I think like, yeah. And if you, I, I would recommend probably Ghibli first, but this is a good, also a good place because it's, it's, it, and ha, I mean, I, I have a cool on what, how you guys think this is as a Christmas movie. Yeah. I mean, obviously it doesn't really follow the Christmas movie things like we would somewhat think of in terms of the Santa Claus or, um, jingle all the way or whatever, but I do think it maybe has more in common with a Christmas Carol. Maybe I mean it doesn't have the ghost element of it. I mean, maybe but it, it has you know looking back on your life kind of. I mean, of I, stuff. I would definitely say it's a wonderful life. Yeah, um, yeah, but it's even smaller than it's wonderful life. It I mean, and, it, and it's the wonderful life. It's like oh, you know, the whole world is bad, or this whole town is bad because you. 
weren't there. I mean, that even that's bigger stakes than than this story. Right. But it has the same thing. Where it, yeah. except for in in It's a Wonderful Life, he's like literally kind of going back and looking. But you're right. or it's going it, back through his life and and it's showing what would have happened. But in this, it's it's the same. They have similar themes of regrets and and and, like and, you know, and family, family life isn't perfect. I mean, you're you're right. That's probably the better analogy or comparison than a Christmas Carol because, I mean, one of the the key components of It's a Wonderful Life is that George isn't always a great guy. You know, he no, there are Bailey. times when he's. <laughs> Bad to his, you know, he's mean to his kids and his wife. When you know things happen, he's not, he's not always the nicest guy. He's got regrets. He wishes things went a different way. But there is that story of kind of the community that comes together, the family comes together. Um, it's, it's, it is, it is yeah. probably somewhat similar to that. And obviously, this is set at Christmas, but they don't really talk about, um, you know. Santa or anything like that. It, you know, yeah. They do mention Christmas, though. They mention lot. Christmas. They mention some religious things, but it's different. It's also Tokyo. Tokyo's different during yeah. Christmas. There isn't. It's not like New York. No. There's not a giant Christmas tree. I feel like a lot of the themes around like traditional westernized Christmas is more so like the feeling that you get when you watch this movie. Um, obviously, like there's the baby, which can be like compared yeah, to baby right, Jesus, yeah. and like oh, it's a miracle, and the little miracles that happen throughout this movie. But I think like a lot of the feelings you get is you feel for these characters who are just trying to make their way, and also like I mean, yeah, the scenery isn't completely like it's not there aren't giant Christmas trees and stuff, but it is snowy, right? And you do it's feel snowy. like oh, it's winter, and you feel those, and then you see those twelve twenty five everywhere, which I and I think. Noticed. Hannah pretty regularly says, oh, but at Christmas, you know, this should be Family wonderful. Family and love, yeah. and we, we're going to do this. And I think the message of Christmas, which the traditional, like, kind of Christmas carol is, like, giving back to everyone. And, like, they're just, they're trying to make a difference in this one baby's life. life. And, like, they do. And by that way, they touch a bunch of other their lives, including themselves, which is, I think, the general. The other thing, thing that I thought was hilarious was when they show the news and they show the drawing of the baby that's missing. Oh, yeah, it's just like an elf on the <laughs> and shelf. it's just like a baby with its arms up. It's just like a generic baby. You know? This baby, one in a million. This baby is the baby that was stolen. <laughs> it's, I, I just thought that was really funny. I don't know why. So, I mean, we should probably wrap it up. Do you want to rate it? Um, yeah. I rated it 9 out of 10. I thought it was a great movie. And I just rated it 9 out of 10 because it just wasn't my favorite yeah. Christmas movie of all time. I mean, uh, 9 out of wait, 10, 10 is, is good. 10 out of 10 is, like, really hard for me. What is but, a 10 out of 10? Yeah. What's a 10 out of 10 Christmas? I think um, Scrooge, that the musical Scrooge, is my favorite With, Christmas uh, movie. You know this. Albert Finney? Yeah. I would, I, yeah Albert I would, Finney. I, I, I think that's a 10 out of 10. I think It's a Wonderful Life is a 10 out of 10. I love those two movies. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I love them. I've watched them every year. I, I wouldn't give Scrooge, as much as I love Scrooge, I'd give it a 9 because there's the whole section. There's you a couple, are there's a, What's the section? Scrooge. There's the section when they're in the hell that I don't really, I can skip. Well, um, I guess, but I just love that movie so much. But it's a wonderful life. Well, yeah, it doesn't have to be a perfect movie, but I think it can be it's a perfect movie. It's my personal rating, but I, I think no, this I, movie is incredible, I gave and I'll this, give it a 9 out of 10. I gave it an 8.5. Yeah. 
I'll give it a nine too. I I I think maybe Elf is also. I mean, the yeah, complete opposite. It's true. Elf it's is, like it's like the Elf opposite Christmas movie. But I think Elf might be a ten out of ten. I mean, I mean, Elf a ten out of ten. Yeah, um, I, that's an that's but an just, interesting take there. Just to give our like standards, I guess, or like to show how we the rain, yeah, there's like a, where we stand. Um, because I mean, there's what about Muppet Christmas Carol? Ten out of ten. No, well, that's I, a different conversation. But <laughs> I or or about what Christmas Carol's the best. I think Muppet Christmas Carol is great, but it's different. You don't like Michael Caine? I do like Michael Caine. I I think the only reason I I guess I gave it an eight and a half because there were there were there were a few things that occasionally pulled me out of the movie. I still think it's a great movie. I just I don't know why. I, didn't go all the way to a nine. <laughs> I mean, I think another good thing is that it's not too long. It's like an hour and a half. Yeah, it's an hour. The time, it, it, the length is perfect. I, I feel like they didn't add any unnecessary content. No. And you, it's hard to do that with animation, I think. Like, well, I don't know. I feel like that's, it depends on the movie, but. Yeah, the pacing they, is They good. definitely yeah. optimized all the time and the animation. I think it's just well put together. So, I mean, overall, we all three really liked it. I think. You know, it, it is a very good Christmas movie. It's not um, a typical Christmas movie. It's not a typical wa- Christmas movie. People should watch it. Even I don't know whether it. it's a, a movie that I would put in my normal Christmas rotation. No, I would watch it if you haven't seen it, but it may not be an every year watch. I, mean, I, I would agree. It's not one that I. It's not one that I would just put on, like as in the background, like you right. would for no, Elf you or, or even the, even just one Scrooge, Scrooge or, or whatever. But, uh, but it's one that I think people should watch i think it's one that you know if you want to if you really want to just sit down and say i want to watch a movie that has you know, christmas themes and, and especially if you haven't seen it before i mean um, sit down and pay attention to it uh, but the 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 pleasure of some of the christmas movies that at least our family loves is that you can just put them on and have them on when you're cooking or yeah playing a game or whatever like and look up and see it and and start singing along with the song or laughing at a scene it's not that kind of a movie but it is i think it is something that if you like christmas movies watch it i mean if you like movies watch yeah, it yeah you're right if you like I, movies I, watch it's, it it's it's one where you could watch it any time of the year you can watch it any time of the year it's 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 one, and I, I mean, me too. I mean, Christmas movies, and not that this is wrong, but people watch the same movies every yeah. year, and we do that, and and that's not wrong. I don't think it's wrong to watch to watch the movies you like to watch, but uh, I think, and for me too, I mean, there's movies out there that I don't that I should watch that I've never watched, and that because I don't even try, like I don't even try to find more Christmas movies. Uh, but I think this is good. It's it's good, and and it makes me want to watch. I definitely need to watch. I've been meaning to watch the other Satoshi Kon yeah, movies. Yeah, it makes me want to watch uh, more of his films that are even more critically acclaimed. Right. Than this. But it was. I think it was a great choice for uh, this Christmas uh, edition of the podcast, and uh, want to again thank Simon for putting together the playlist. Thank Olivia for being special guest. The first one. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and um, I guess uh, a Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. In the words of Tiny Tim, God bless us, everyone. <laughs>
Are we done? Goodbye.